0: you would turn with me in your Bible to Psalm 134. Psalm 134. Well, we made it. We made it to the end of our journey through what are called the Songs of Ascent. Psalms 120 through 134, 15 songs that we've been, I've been referring to as the Pilgrim's Playlist. Uh, we made it to the end these were the, the 15 songs that were collected, remember, uh, for God's people to sing as they journeyed from wherever they lived to Jerusalem, which was the highest place in Israel. So it was always going up to Jerusalem, up to Zion, up to the temple. Uh, and that's why these are called the songs of ascent. And they would go three times a year for the major feasts and celebration of God's relationship with his people and all that he had done for them and is doing with them. So imagine thousands of families coming from all over Israel. They've packed up to make the trip. They've got their, their tents. They've got their mats and cots. They've got their pots and pans. They've got their donkeys loaded and they're making the trip. Maybe it's For some, only a day away. Maybe it's a month away. Maybe it's a week away. But there they are in caravans on dusty roads, uh, traveling up to Zion, the city of Jerusalem, ascending to the place where God chose to dwell in a special way with his people. As I imagine that, I I can almost hear a child somewhere in the back of a family's little uh, caravan riding on a donkey, calling out, Hey, Abba, are we there yet? The exasperated father rolls his eyes and calls back, No, child, we are not there yet, but it's not too far. We're, we're coming to the end of our journey. I can see Jerusalem from here. Okay, Abba. But Abba, I have another question. Yes, child. Why are we going to Jerusalem anyway? It's been a long trip, and I I can't remember. Ah, now that's a better question, child. And to answer it, let's all sing Psalm 134 again together, he says. And so, we're not going to sing it, but we're going to stand and say it together. Because this psalm answers the question, why why were they going to Jerusalem anyway? Psalm, uh, here... The word of the God who loves you, Psalm 134, a song of ascents. Read with me. Come, bless the Lord, servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. You may be seated, and I'll pray. Father, we thank you for this word. Thank you for this collection of psalms that we've enjoyed this summer together, and we ask that you would use this one to remind us of what's important to you and what therefore is important to us. So uh, help us to uh, see your purpose for us in it and help us to see Jesus, we ask in his name. Amen. Well, it happened to me again yesterday, as a matter of fact, and it usually goes something like this. I'm sitting on the couch watching a ball game, hopefully, the Astros, and uh, maybe I'm paying bills or refilling my pill boxes. I know, I'm getting old. Um, and I realize that I need something from upstairs. I've forgotten something that I need upstairs. So I get up, and I start to head in that direction, and our stairs are near our front door. The dogs see me going that way, and they get all excited, and they say, hey, Dad, we need to go out. So okay. So I stop, and I hook up Chloe and Charlie to the leash, and I open the front door and let them get out and go do their thing. I'll let them back in when I come back downstairs. So. Here I go, I'm about to go up the stairs, and my phone buzzes. And I look at it, and it says, oh good, the book I ordered on Amazon has been shipped. That's exciting. But while I'm there, I notice, oh, there's that text that I forgot to respond to. Let me just real quick. Actually, I don't do that, I talk into it. I respond to the text real quickly, then okay, now I'm on my way up the stairs. Well, in our house, If there's something that needs to go upstairs, and the person who wants it to go upstairs is not willing to go upstairs at the moment, we leave it on the stairs. So that whoever the next person is who's going up the stairs, it's their responsibility to carry that upstairs, right? Do we do this? And so I see some stuff. And for once in my life, I take responsibility to carry it upstairs, because usually I just walk by it. Um, So I I grab this stuff. And I notice, okay, it's got to go to my bedroom, which is where I'm going, so I'll take it with me. So I gather the stuff, and I go into the bedroom, and I put this here and that there and everything in its place. And then I stand there in the room, and I say, what did I come in here for? What did I come in here for? How many of you have done that? Okay, good, I'm not alone. Scientists actually have a name for this phenomenon. It's called the doorway effect. And they call it that because it was believed that the forgetfulness was caused by moving from one room to another room. I wish it was that easy. But more recent research has actually proven that it's less about moving from room to room and more about losing focus. And... What they say is that when we get distracted and our minds get overloaded, we forget why we're going where we're going. One scientist said that we can actually immunize ourselves against this effect, against the doorway effect, if we're single-minded, he said, in what we want to do. He said nothing will stop us from remembering if we're single-minded about what we're planning to do. But if we have multiple things going on in our minds, uh, we'll become forgetful. Now, that seems like common sense, but research has shown it's true. And friends, this describes the human condition in the 21st century. We are what they call the distracted generation. Every one of us is prone to wander, prone to forget what we came here for, and yes, Even followers of Jesus, like you good people, are prone to forget where you're going, and we get distracted too. But the God who loves us knows this about us, so he gave us Psalm 134. He gave Psalm 134 to his people to help us stay focused and single-minded. This psalm is at the end of the pilgrim playlist because it points to the end of their journey. It paints a picture of the finish line, the destination, the reason for taking the journey in the first place. It helps to keep them focused. And I'm prayerful that it will help keep us focused this morning too. This is why, because we're so distractible, this is why Psalm 134 starts with the command, Come. It's actually, interestingly enough, the same word, That's at the beginning of Psalm 133 that Eric told us about last week. That was translated, behold. But it's the same Hebrew word. It means look, pay attention. Come here, look at this. And so that's what the psalm is inviting us to do. Come look at this. Pay attention to this. Focus on this. So the question is what? What does God want us to focus on? And the word bless will help us this morning as we look at these three verses. Look, look at these verses and look for the word bless. It's the key to the answer to the question, what did we come here for? Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. So the first two blesses are about blessing the Lord. And then verse 3, may the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. So there's blessing the Lord and the Lord blessing you. According to Psalm 134, here's what we came here for. Verses 1 and 2, we came here to enjoy blessing God. And in verse 3, we came to enjoy God's blessing. He came to enjoy blessing God and to enjoy enjoy God's blessing. The old catechism question says it this way. What is the chief end of man? That's old-fashioned language for saying. What is the main purpose of humankind? The answer is the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The, The psalm writer who wrote Psalm 134 may say, The main purpose of every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room is to bless God and to enjoy His blessing forever. That's what we came here for. And that's what we need to stay focused on. The purpose of your earthly and eternal life is to live in a blessed relationship with God. You blessing Him, Him blessing you. It's a mutual blessing. And in a world of distraction... You and I must stay focused on that purpose. It all started with fellowship with God in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis, God created human beings to live in a relationship of mutual blessing with Him. Uh, One scholar said, said it this way, when God blesses us, He reviews our needs and meets them. When we bless God, we review His excellencies and worship Him. That's the relationship of mutual blessing that Psalm 134 says we are created for. We look at God and review His excellencies and worship Him. He looks at us and sees our needs and meets them. And then, at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 21... For all those who belong to Jesus, this blessed relationship is where all of history is headed. A loud voice says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. That's a description of that mutual relationship of blessing we have with God. It's what we are made for. And so, Christian... Since enjoying blessing God and enjoying God's blessing is what you were created and redeemed by Jesus for, stay focused. Stay focused. Now, we've all come in here distracted this morning. I was struggling during the singing because I was so distracted and worried about what I was going to say right now. So we're all distracted. We all come in here distracted. So let's use this psalm for the next few minutes to help us refocus. All this is probably nothing you've never heard before, but uh, it's important. It's what we're made for. So let's let's look at it. First of all, our purpose is to enjoy blessing God, to rejoice in him, to delight in him, to worship him. That's verses 1 and 2. Now, why do I why do I say uh, that we are made and redeemed to Enjoy blessing God. I mean, you can, you can bless God and say good things about him uh, without enjoying it, but, but I think this psalm is calling us to enjoy worshiping and blessing God. Now here's, here's why. Here's a couple of signs of enjoyment. In verse 1, it says, He um, says, Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. You stand by night in the house. They're up all night, blessing God. They're up all night, worshiping God. Do you remember those early romances you ever had? Um, Did you ever stay up all night talking with, or these days texting with, maybe, uh, talking with that one that had captured your heart? Uh, Time flew by, you know, The sun comes up and you're like, wow, where did the time go? You didn't get tired. You didn't get weary. You didn't worry about how dark it was. You just enjoyed being with this person. And so I think the psalmist is saying, enjoy God so much that you'd want to stay up all night with him. You want to be with him, getting to know him, listening to him tell you about himself, telling you how much he likes you talking to him about yourself, telling him how much you like him. That's the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us. And so I can endure darkness and weariness when I'm enjoying my relationship with my beloved, the one who loves me. Enjoyment of God, enjoyment of blessing him gives me endurance in the night. Another sign of enjoyment, verse one says, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. that's odd. We don't do that very often. There's only a, a couple of times when we do that, and it's usually when we are enjoying something. So you're at a concert, and the guy says, wave your hands in the air, like you just don't care, whatever, something like that. But... Nobody has to really tell you to do that. You're out there, yeah, this is awesome. Enjoying the music, enjoying the crowd, enjoying the energy. Uh, there are a whole bunch of people all over the country doing that yesterday at all these college football games. And I'm sure on Thursday night, you Tennessee fans were jumping off your couches and putting your hands up like this. Yeah. Go Vols. Um, and the Alabama fans last night, yes. So, we got everybody. Um, but we do this because we enjoy. There's something about that, about uh, opening up and offering up all we are to something that we enjoy. I wonder if that's part of what the psalmist is looking for. And and we do this naturally. John Piper says that we we praise what we prize. We worship what we want. We delight in that which we most desire. We glorify God by enjoying Him. And so the Psalmist is saying the purpose of your life is to enjoy God so much that it wants to that it makes you want to put your hands up with joy. Now that doesn't mean I'm expecting all of us in here to raise our hands. That's not it. I'm saying, enjoy God so much that it makes you want to open up and offer up all of yourself to him with with your lips and with your life full of worship and blessing for this God who you can't believe is so amazing. So I, I sense there's this enjoyment of blessing God that he wants from us. Well then it makes me ask the question what about is, what about God is there to enjoy blessing? And does the psalmist answer that question, what do I see in God that makes me delight in him? Well he says in verses one and two, "Come bless the Lord all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord And then he says in verse two lift up your hands, to the holy place. Why does he mention the house of the Lord and the holy place? He's referring to the temple and to the inner sanctum of the temple. This is where God's presence dwells among his people in a special way, as we've talked about. What, what there is about God to enjoy blessing is that you get to be in the presence of the greatest Person in the universe, the greatest being in the universe. You are in, you are accepted in the most central inner ring that there is. You get to be on the inside with the greatest being in the universe. Our oldest daughter, Abby, is here in town visiting, and uh, she just got uh, a new job uh, writing. Uh, copywriting for Ligonier Ministries. Who, do you, who knows what Ligonier is? Okay, Ligonier is a Bible teaching ministry started by R.C. Sproul. Does that name help? All right, just to help you out, if you're a Presbyterian geek like me, R.C. Sproul is like the dude, okay? We just, you know, he's had a huge impact. Um, he passed away in 2017, but He's had a huge impact on many, many, many of us um, with his Bible teaching and uh, theological training. So Abby gets to work for this ministry that kind of came out of R.C. Sproul's ministry. And uh, she went on Monday through Wednesday for some in-person training. Uh, She's going to be working remotely. So she's there, and they're showing her the campus, which is also the campus of Reformation Bible College, which is part of their ministry. And she's walking around with the person taking her on the tour, and she sees this little old lady come bouncing down the sidewalk, uh, full of energy. And the lady walks up, and she sees Abby, and she says, well, you must be brand new here. Abby says, yes, ma'am, I am. And the lady says, hi, I'm Vesta. Shakes her hand, and then... Vesta just starts asking Abby all kinds of questions about herself. So what are you going to be doing for us? Where are you from? Getting to know her. I love your outfit. Where did you get that? Just all this gushing of love and friendliness to Abby and warmth. And then she says to Abby, you want to come see my office? Abby's like, sure. Let's go see your office. And I think Abby's starting to put the pieces together who this lady is. But they go into this beautiful building which was an old mansion at some point, and they go into Vesta's office. The walls are, are just lined with beautiful mahogany wood and this gorgeous wooden desk in the middle of it. There's books everywhere. And uh, Vesta's like, this is my office. Isn't it beautiful? Uh, hey, come here, look at this view. Opens the curtains, says, look at this view. See the lake? Isn't this gorgeous? She says... This is my husband's office, and after he died, they let me have it. And Abby said to herself, I'm standing in R.C. Sproul's office, and to a presbyte like us, that's like, whoa, I have arrived, right? And Vesta is now her friend. this is what Jesus has done for us. Jesus, the most important human being there is, not just on that campus, the most important human being there is, has been kind to us, has taken notice of us, he's befriended us, he's invited us into his father's house, into his holy place, and has said, look, let me show you the most wonderful view there is. Look at the glory of my Father. There's no way those pilgrims to the temple would be standing in the house of the Lord or even get a glimpse into the holy place and be blessing God unless God had done something to bless them first. You and I didn't do anything to earn this access. We were invited in. And the entry price of holiness of being in the presence of God's holiness, was paid by the blood of the Lamb of God so that we could be there. He invited us in. That's why he's worth blessing. So we bless God because he blessed us first. Our worship and glorifying and blessing God is always in response to what he's done for us. And if you're like me at this point, you're like, I know that, Jimmy. I know that my whole life is meant to be one that blesses God, that worships God with my lips and with my living. (sighs) Thanks for another wonderful, fired-up sermon there, brother. I can't do that. I don't do that. How am I ever going to do this? When I see the gap between what God is made and redeemed me to do and what my desire and actions really are. I, I'm just I just don't know how I can live that way, enjoying blessing God as the primary purpose of my life. I can't sustain this blessing and worshiping and delighting in God. I get distracted by all the other things that get my attention and delight me. I get disappointed in Him and And don't feel like glorifying and enjoying him because, because he hasn't really met my expectations. My desire for him wears out. I know that my purpose in life is to enjoy blessing God, but how will I ever keep doing it? Friends, be honest about that and let it drive you to the rest of this psalm. Let it drive you to verse 3. Let it drive you to enjoy God's blessing to you. Look at it. May the Lord bless you from Zion. He who made heaven and earth. God's blessing, verse 3 is saying, is exactly what you need in your weakness. May the Lord bless you from Zion. Zion is the place where God has provided a way for weak sinners to be in his family, to be his friends. Zion points us to Jesus. That was the whole purpose of the temple to begin with. (laughs) All the sacrifices, all the priests, all the place was always meant to point us to Jesus because he is exactly what we need in our weakness. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't know God. You can't be loved by God. You can't walk with God. You can't be renewed by God without Jesus. But God has blessed you with Jesus. And secondly, you need to know this from verse 30. The blessing comes from he who made heaven and earth, and that means his blessing is more than you need in your weakness. It's not just exactly what you need. It's more than you need in your weakness. Your need is no match for the power of Jesus. The maker of heaven and earth has moved heaven and earth to give you Jesus, to rescue and renew you. And so we can say with Paul, as he said in Ephesians 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We were made to enjoy blessing God, and the only way we can do that is to enjoy God's blessing us with Jesus. Because in him is every spiritual blessing we would ever need or want and more. And one of those spiritual blessings that comes from Zion, that comes from Jesus, is the promise of a new heart. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture is in Ezekiel 36. Listen, listen. (laughs) He promises us the spiritual blessing of a new heart. God says, and he did this in Jesus, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Friends, what that says is that through Jesus, the Lord cleanses you from all the idols that distract you from your purpose of living in a blessed relationship with God. Through Jesus, the Lord removes your hard heart from you that heart that can't sustain a life of blessing God. He removes that hard heart from you and puts the heart of Jesus in you so that what you really want at the core of your being is to bless God and to enjoy being blessed by God. Friends, that's the hope of the gospel. That's when we're united to Christ, I want to say it again because it's so important. This will save your life again and again and again because The spirit of Jesus lives inside of you. Really, the core of what you want is what Psalm 134 is talking about. You want to enjoy blessing God. And you want to enjoy God's blessing. That's what you want because that's what Jesus produces in you, creates in you, that desire. And through Jesus, the Lord puts the spirit of Jesus in you so that you have the power source you need to do what your new heart wants to do. It's there. That's his promise. And so if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you have the heart of Jesus in you. And what kind of heart is that? Listen, Jesus regularly regularly stayed up all night praying and spending time with his father. Didn't bother him any. He was enjoying it. Romans 8 says that the spirit of Jesus that cries out, Abba, Father, is in us. So, the kind of heart that wants that is willing to stay up all night blessing God is in you. And I'm not saying that to say that if you really love God, you have to stay up all night. No, no, no. It's not... Jesus didn't do that to say, now you stay up all night. He did it to say, that's the kind of heart that's in you. The kind of heart that would. And it wouldn't be bothered by staying up all night with God. Jesus had zeal for his father's house. No one worshipped the Lord like Jesus did. That's the heart that's in you. Jesus lifted up his hands to be nailed on a cross as the ultimate act of worship. And that heart is in you, Christian. You have the heart of Jesus in you that enjoys blessing God. So so why is this important to us today? <coughs> Forgive me. I want to ask you some questions examine your heart this morning have you forgotten why you've come in here and I don't mean just into worship although that's a good question have we forgotten why we come in here every Sunday but not just into the worship service but, but into the world <laughs> into the place that you're going to go tomorrow morning well Tuesday morning since so tomorrow's Labor Day have you forgotten why you're going there Do you believe that the purpose of your life is to bless God and enjoy his blessing forever? Is living for that purpose the top priority of your daily life? If it's not, and it's not always mine either, let's be honest about it. God knew Israel's heart, and that's why he gave them this psalm to remind them, to help them focus. He knows we get distracted, and so when we do, let's confess it to him. Ask him to make his purpose for your life your purpose for your life. I have to do that too. But we have to we have to admit that it happens. And this morning you may be kind of confronted with it as I was as the Lord corners me with sermons. He puts me in a corner and he says, I want you to look at this. And that's what he did with me this week. Because I forget that this is my purpose. What about distraction? As you walk the journey you've been given, what distractions keep you from remembering and focusing on this, that your life is all about enjoying blessing God and enjoying the blessing of God? What keeps you from believing that that's your core purpose every step of every day? What's distracting you? We in our day and age, might be able to sum it up in one word, screens. Screens, whether it's the one in your pocket or the one on your wall or the one in your car, wherever it is, they distract us. And not only are the screens distracting us, they're also preaching a different purpose for our lives. They're telling us your life is not about enjoying blessing God. Your life is not about enjoying blessing from God. There are plenty of other blessings to be had. They're preaching to you the same lie that was told in the Garden of Eden. This is not enough. The blessing of God is not enough. Go find some more blessing on your own. That's the lie that the serpent told Eve and Adam. And he's telling us today. In fact, distraction is one of the oldest tricks in the book. So what do you believe the Lord is telling you to do right now about the distractions in your life? Maybe it's not screens, but it could be a a thousand other things. What would he have you do this week about the things that help distract your focus from what you're really here for? Couple more questions about focus. What is one thing you can do in the coming week that you don't normally do to enjoy blessing God? Just one simple thing you can do in the coming week to enjoy blessing God. That you bless Him by doing this. You you give Him worship. You. One thing that you don't normally do, something different that would kind of jolt you into a focus on blessing him, worshiping him, thanking him, praising him. How will you put that into practice this week? Let's use some old coaching questions on you. Is it doable or are you thinking of something that's kind of way not realistic for you? On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that you'll accomplish this one thing that you want to do differently this week? If you say anything below 8, then rethink your goal and make it a little more doable, okay? Who are you going to ask to support you as you seek to do this this week? What's the worst thing that could happen to you if you don't enjoy blessing God? What's the best thing that could happen? Friends, uh, you can enjoy blessing God and enjoying God's blessing right now at this table. Because it blesses God for you to come to him at this table. For you to come hungry and thirsty for him. And saying, only you can satisfy me. It blesses God for you to come weak and needy to this table. And to say, Jesus, I need your strength if I'm going to make it this week. When you prize him in that way, you praise him. It blesses him when you're weak and needy and hungry and thirsty and he's the one you come to. And this table is also where you find and enjoy his blessing for you. This is where you find his desire to be in a blessed relationship with you. That desire to be in a blessed relationship with you, is broken and poured out in Jesus. Come, enjoy it. Because friends, the bottom line is, Jesus is what we've come here for. Father, uh, what a reminder, what a What a simple truth that we know we think we know. And yet how far it can be from our experience. A life lived to bless you. A life lived enjoying your blessing. Isn't there more than that? Your word says no. That's the core of all that is, and we can enjoy it now, even, as we come. So, Father, as we come and meet with you and bring our weak and needy and hungry and thirsty hearts to you at this table, would you feed us with Jesus? Would you bless us and help us to rest in it? Christ's name I pray. Amen.